This episode is brought to you by HP+. In a world full of smart devices, isn't it about time your printer got smart too? Now printing is smart with HP+. And the HP Smart app is how it all happens. You can print from your phone with just a tap, no matter where you are. Even from your garage slash home office slash yoga studio. Huh, that is smart. HP+. Learn more about smart printing at hp.com slash smart. Leadership is a responsibility, not a position. Welcome to Leading from the Front with Dr. Gary McGrath, where experienced leaders share their own brand of leadership to help you develop and improve your own leadership capabilities. And now, here's your host, Dr. Gary. I'm Dr. Gary, making good bosses into great leaders with compassionate accountability. Welcome again to Leading from the Front, where leadership is a responsibility, not a position. I'm really excited about today's guest, who is the television host of C-Suite and the executive perspectives on the C-Suite television network. He's a business podcast host of all business, and that is also on C-Suite radio. He's the chairman and CEO of the C-Suite Network and a well-traveled public speaker, former Fortune 100 chief marketing officer, and author of four best-selling business books. Most recently, The Hero Factor, How Great Leaders Transform Cultures and Create Winning Organizations. He's an inductee into the National Speakers Association's Speaker Hall of Fame. He is frequently cited in Forbes, Success, Mashable, Marketing Week, and chief executive, and he shares his insights on television networks like Bloomsburg, MSNBC, Fox Business, and the C-Suite Television. Please welcome to Leading from the Front, my friend, Jeffrey Hazlett. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Gary. How you doing? I should say Dr. Gary or Captain. I mean, you've got so many great titles that I could use. So use Dr. Them Captain. <laughs> yeah. So listen, Jeff, let's go back in history a little bit and talk a little bit about your background and in, in, in business and then move that forward into some of the work that we're doing today to make a difference with uh, business leaders and and how that all fits in with this idea of leadership as a responsibility, not a position. You know, I think when I look at my background, you know, I've, it's kind of like the Forrest Gump of business. I've been in the right places at the right time and some of the most iconic moments. And, you know, I don't most of that has just been by pure luck, not by design, other than there were a few things I, I wanted to get accomplished in business and do. And and of course, I was very competitive and wanted to rise and you know, do everything with as much, much zeros as I possibly can. And that means uh, just, you know, in terms of adding bigger and bigger scale. But, you know, I bought and sold over 250 businesses in my career, about 25 billion in transactions, <laughs> although I'm about to double that, right? Because I'm working on a deal right now that's uh, that bigger than that. And so, yeah, just been I've been a Fortune 100 officer. I've been an entrepreneur. I've been a television host, podcast host, radio host. I've done about pretty much everything you can think of in terms of business. And and all of those experiences have, have led me to, you know, where I am today, doing what I am today. And and whatever I'll do in the future, which is, you know, just continue to grow and learn and to share, learn and cheer. That's kind of the way I kind of approach things today. Yeah. So you, you, it is true that a lot of times uh, being the right place, right time. Some of our careers are a little bit about luck, but you also have to have the skill 
not just the competency as a uh, marketing person or whatever position functionally you're in, but you have to have leadership skills too. And over the, over the years, those leadership skills come out, whether you're in the right place at the right time or not. So how let's, let's go back into your fortune 500 days and think about how do some of the experiences that you had in those days fit in with your leadership style today in running the C-suite network? You know, I just thinking of that question as you're asking, I mean, what, what would that be? And I think the biggest one that would, that would, that I, I could say is having a voice. You know, you had a voice at the table and taking the voice and using the voice. So many times I see so many people who sit around the table and they never say anything, never participate, never engage. And I've always been one of those people. You always engage. You always, you know, you, ha- you have a role, you know. And one of the things I learned as I went through my Fortune 100 experience was I'd sit at the table thinking, well, somebody should do something about this. And then I realized, oh, that's me, you know, and. Or, you know, or, or it's these people at the table that are, have got to take an ownership of it. And so, but a lot of them just never would or, and I did. And, and, you know, that was a big part of it. Just saying, no, I'll do that, you know, or, or no, I'm responsible for that, you know, and, and I learned very early on in those bigger companies and bigger responsibilities that no one's sitting around waiting for somebody, you know, they just want, just do it, do it, you know, don't wait for permission, just freaking do it. And, and I, the faster I learned and that's, you know, everybody has asked me what piece of advice would I give to my younger self or give to other people? I would just say, do it faster. Cause there are times when you sit around, you, you think like, well, that's not my responsibility. It's not my thing. Well, as a leader, everything's your responsibility. When you're in the C-suite, everything's your responsibility. We all have our roles to play, but, but in terms of being a leader, that's all of our responsibility. And you, and you need to have a, you need to have a voice and you need to speak that voice. So how do, how do people that, but that lack the confidence to speak up, you know, and, and, and in middle management, you know, people are squeezed, right. They're between the C-suite and the, the direct line. And sometimes they feel like they're in a no win situation. How do we encourage them to have that voice and to speak up? Well, if you don't have the voice and speak up, I guess you'll never get you where you want to go. I mean, if you never make a decision that you want to take this road or this road, you'll never get there. Right? And, and I get that that's what you feel. Uh, but mostly those are voices in your head. They're not voices from the C-suite. The C-suite, I'm, I'm looking for clock change. I'm looking for someone who sees the clock has changed, get up and go change the clock. Not talk, talk, talk about the clock, not complain about the clock, not, not, not take pictures and tweet about the clock. I want people who will get up on a chair, open up their face and change the clock because the clock is wrong. That's what we're looking for. We're looking for clock changers. And, and so, uh, and by the way, d- you know, he- hello, don't tell me there's a problem. Hello, Captain Obvious, Tycho. Thank you, Captain Obvious. I already know there's a problem. Bring me a freaking solution. That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for people who show up every day with that kind of mindset. And 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 so much. And quite frankly, you know, a lot of a lot of emerging leaders are more about let me tell you what's wrong. Well, no, I know what's wrong. <laughs> yeah, most I people do, right? Yeah. 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 I can look at I can look at our engagement factors. I can look at our conversions. I can look at I can look at our sales numbers. I can look at our comparisons to the industry. I can give you all those things. Yeah, I see that. Okay. How about tell me what you want to fit what give me the three solutions. Give me your best guess. You know, we might not know it's what what's going to fix it, but give me your best guess. You're in the middle of it. That's what I want. I I need and by the way, I need that today in my smaller organization. You know, I don't care what size, just take the zeros off. It doesn't make a difference. You small business, large business, that's what we're looking for every day. 
I, I, I got a saying right now, Gary. I'm sorry, Gary. Now you put a quarter and I'm going for a ride, you know. But, you know, I'm, I'm telling my team right now, this is my advice to my team right now. I said, if I'm having to follow, I said, I want to follow you, not follow up. I want to follow you, not follow up. And if I'm having to follow up, <laughs> that means you're following me. And I don't want that. That's my condition of satisfaction. I just taped a video to my entire team saying, I'm done with that. So either get to where I'm following you because you're the leader, you're the expert, you're the, you're the team member that is signed up to lead these conditions of satisfaction. Now lead. And I want to be the customer. I don't want to be the performer. Because if, if I have to be the f- performer, what do I need you for? So don't don't you think part of the message though this is this is great you know I want to follow you not follow up is is such a great phrase and 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 I I talk about this all the time about being clear about accountability if I'm clear about expectations and accountability good people will hold themselves accountable they don't need somebody to hold themselves accountable but going back you've got two things here that you're talking about that are really really fascinating one is getting people to speak up and the other is for people to be proactive and take action. And when they walk in your office to have at least two or three solutions and a recommendation of what they think the right solution ought to be for them, what they think it should be. What do you think? Now they're just asking for, to use your head, your, use your experience to engage them in a conversation to make the best decision. Don't you find sometimes though that leaders, I mean, here you are right doing a video, follow you, not follow up. And, and, and telling people, come in with three solutions. So often people are not conditioned or expected to do that. Their, their leaders aren't telling them, look, I give you the authority to think. I give you the authority to come up with three options. Not only that, but I expect you to come in here with three options, not just with one. And we don't have enough, I think, leadership clarity often in organizations. So people, you know, if they're a little timid or whatever it might be, whatever, like you said, whatever's going on in their head because of how they've been beat down by other leaders in the past. Now you've got new leadership and that leader needs to recognize that they need to have a voice that's clear about what's expected and what they desire. Just like what you said, come in with three solutions, give me a recommendation and let's, let me follow you, not follow up. I love that. Well, and then you have to be clear about the conditions of satisfaction. And I don't, and I think that's the key. That's a real key here for leaders is be very clear about your conditions of satisfaction. I'm not going to go through this. I'm not going to do it. I just had a meeting with my team in a very high growth part of our, our, our company and with the four key people that are leading that area. And it's a significant PL for us. And, and all of a sudden they started telling me about how they're going to do it. I said, I don't want to know. Stop, stop. We're not having that conversation in this meeting. Do you know this guy? You guys know each other, right? And I turned to the two team members. You, you, you literally know each other. Then why aren't you having this conversation? You have this conversation. I don't want to hear this conversation between the, between the five of us. I got more important things to do. Not, and again, I'm not trying to be a pain in the, you know what? I, what I'm trying to do is set very clear conditions of satisfaction. I expect that stuff is when you do teamwork. You guys do that stuff. You figure that out. And if you can't, again, you know, this is the level you're going to operate when you're, you know, it's like when you're in a huddle in a football team, you think the pro guys are saying, well, what's a down and out? You know, you, uh, the quarterback is a receiver and says, we're going to do such and such play. You think he's asking everybody, OK, what's a down and out? Hey, Jimmy, are you going to block this guy? 
You think any of that stuff is going on? In a high-performance team, you get down and you get understanding of this is the play, this is what we're doing, and we're doing in a hike too, and the leader's got to be clear about that, and there's no discussion in the freaking huddle. Okay, shut up, everybody. You know, let's let's all we, we're gonna agree. We all know what it is. Anybody questions about what the plan is? Okay, if you got a question about the plan or you have a question like, I'm not sure. Did you say two or three? Did you say hut hut on two or three? I mean, those are all great questions to have. But but to go over the same ground rules and and or to say, you know, do we have to do a down and out? Are you nuts? You know, um, you know, this is. I think it's clear that when you're in those meetings, is just to be even more clear about that. And so then we don't have to have that discussion again. We don't need to have that discussion. And again, it's not being harsh. It's not being, it's just being transparent. It's being clear. It's being concise. It's setting expectations and then holding people to the expectations. I mean, and I'm, I'm, I'm at that point. (laughs) Yeah. I think if I can, if I can clarify is you're not interested in the details of how they get it done. You just want to be clear on what's to get done. Right. And we talk about this. I, I love Brene Brown's uh, book recently on uh, dare to lead and what she talks about in there. And I use this all the time when I'm coaching is in your expectations. Did you ask the people that you're talking about what done looks like? So that's, that's the outcome. What's the goal, but what does the, the finished product look like? And if, if you ask your team, what does the finished product look like? And they tell you, then you know that they've got the competency on how to do it. Now, the other part of this is when, when they're talking to their manager or their leader for you, tell, telling them how they're going to do it. Really, they're saying micromanage me. You know, it's micromanage. Tell me, yeah. I'm going to tell you how I'm going to do it and, and what steps I'm going to take. And we, no, I don't want to hear about that. Yeah. I just want you to eat are sausage. the expert. Don't t- I just want to eat sausage. I don't want to tell you how I, 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 how to make I don't it. want to know how it's made. I don't care. It's good. I just want to eat it. Okay. And I really want to know what's in it. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> well, you know, well, and, and, and just to give you another example today. I think these are great things to be able to, to bring up the practicality of it. I went through this team and said, let's be clear again on our roles. We're growing at a, a great pace. Each of you are doing different things. And I don't know that we've had a clear demarcation of what each role is and who does it. So we'd bring up scenarios that, that would come through the meeting. And we, I would say, well, whose bucket is that in? So then it was clear. And then, and then, and then, it, then, then once you did that and it becomes this, then whose bucket does it go in? And then they were, then they started answering the questions, which is, okay, now we're getting a very clear picture of who owns what and how to go and who's held responsible, who's accountable, uh, for these kinds of things. And, and I, I love that, you know, and I, and I, you know, I'm, you know, I speak very graphically, as you know, Gary, and I'm aggressive and, you know, kind of, uh, you know, bigger, bigger than necessary some days. But, you know, I even said to my, I want to know who's neck to choke, you know, so to speak, and kind of conversations. Now, some people might say that, oh, that's not nurturing. I said, well, in this case, with the team that I had, it was nurturing for them because they, they, this was a sales team and, you know, focused. And so we were clear. So don't, I don't know, no cards and letters, please. No emails to people to me that I need to hug more or whatever. I get it. But you, your people know your personality and they know where your heart's at. And yeah. I've worked with you for a year and a half. And I know that, you know, yeah, you might speak gruffly like that, but that's your style. And people know that it, it's, it's like when I get with my brothers and one of us hits us on the back of the head, that's us saying, I love you. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's just another expression of that. Right. I love you. Now whose, whose throat do I need to choke? Yeah, exactly. yeah. you know? Hey, put the bat down. 
Put the bat down. Yeah. Jimmy, put the bat down. Put the down. bat down. <laughs> I'm being more gentle now. I'm not using the bat. I'm using the throat to choke. So it's just, you know, it's a different way. But one of the, and in our vocabulary, as you talked about, is getting really clear about the uh, what, who, and when. You know, the action plan, the three W's, what we're going to get done, who's going to do it, by when, and the process by which we get it done. And they can work on that process. Because when you're the people that you're talking about, there's people that Jeff is talking about right now are very high level professionals that have been in the business a lot of years. They know how to get this stuff done. Right. You know, so out of respect for them, you're really showing them by with respect by telling them, just go get it done. I don't need to get into the detail, but clarification of roles. I will say this, and I want to ask you this question because this is a, I think one of the biggest problems in business when we have role descriptions and clarifications of role, part of what's missing is the level of decision authority. What authorization do they have to make decisions within the realms of their role? What, whether it's financial, people, customer, it, the conversation needs to be had with levels of authority. And often that's missing in those conversations. Have you seen that? Oh, without question. And But also just inside that authority, also understand how it works. I mean, when I was a, the, the chief marketing officer of Eastman Kodak, one of five top officers in the company, my spending authority without checking in with anyone was about two and a half mil. So I didn't have to go anywhere. If I want to make a buy for two and a half mil, I didn't have to go run to the CFO, run to the accounting department or any of that stuff and say, is this okay? Is this okay? <clears throat> the inside. And, and of course, once I submitted the budget, of course, that budget was the budget and I could spend within that budget. But if anything was above two and a half million that I was making a major change, I should go to the CFO and have that thing. I will tell you that I used to go to the CFO and take anything that was greater than $100,000. And I would sit down with the C- CFO just so he would understand that I knew what I was talking about and what I was going to do. And, hey, Frank, who I respected a great deal, I just want to go through these things with you to make sure that you're comfortable with where I'm going. To the point where at, at some point he, he would go, you don't have to talk to me anymore. Just send me an email about it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, 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 and so, but that was also my way of also teaching him and showing him, look, Frank, when we spend money on advertising, sales goes up. When we don't spend money on advertising, sales go down. So I need your help to help me get as much money into the advertising bucket as possible, more than we have today. And here's my plan to go and do that. But I also need you to understand when you have to come to me and you say, Jeff, we need to reduce the cost 10% around the company in order to hit this 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 quarterly number we got to hit that you're going to help me not take it out of advertising. Now, I am he he said you know he was, he said to me the first time he came to me and he said Jeff we got to trim by 10%. I said okay, no problem. And he goes, "Whoa, whoa, 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 you're the first CMO who's never argued with me about it." I said, "Well, look, let's be clear. We're going to reduce the cost 10% and, you know, but I'm also going to come back and show you that if we do this, here's the sales we're going to lose." And he goes, whoa, whoa, you can't lose sales. I said, well, then let me teach you how this works, right? But then also I was showing him that I was trying to move more of what I called the overhead, which was below the line to above the line that we could spend for advertising. And so while it might be 10% across the board, maybe we got to go 18% over here in order to keep this integrity of this advertising marketing budget to keep us where we need to be on sales because they were distinct. They were uniquely tied together. So, you know, but it's an understanding of those kinds of things and being able to have a good grasp, a voice of that and speak the voice, right? To get back to the voice. And to, but, but I was, what I was trying to do is hold my promises. And my promises were about market share, increased uh, sales, good, good use of spending. But at the same time, 
you, you know, as a, as a CMO, as an officer of the company, as a leader in the company, you've got to help the rest of the team out. And, you know, I got, you know, you, you teach, I got your back. I was showing Frank, Frank, I got your back. I'm going to cut. I'm going to help. I'm going to do it. You can count on me. You don't have to come back to me in a week. I'm going to find that money. Okay. You don't have to do that. I got it. And, and I would do that. And, but here's what we need to do. And we need to look at this. And, and so I've got your back on the sales too. So you got to, you know, you know, I don't, you know, look, it's not, it's not personal. So if you tell me, no, because you're the CFO, we got to hit this. And Jeff, you know, you got to take more out. I'm going to take more out, but here's the consequences. Well, you're, you're just talking about the development of good teamwork. And a lot of people at all levels, I don't think they spend enough time with their peers sharing their perspectives and insights based on their responsibilities that may or may not be seen by the other people. And yeah. by having those really crucial, fierce conversations and, and getting down to it, helping each other understand the consequences of all of these decisions. And I think that we, we still see this in organizations a lot where they, they have these silos and people are protecting their silos. And when you're doing that at the C-suite, your organization's in big trouble. And what I'm, what I'm hearing you say is you broke through that by talking to the CFO and building that constituency with him and an understanding of what the impacts were. Yeah. And well, and even, and even my CEO, um, who I only used to see maybe twice a month at that level. I mean, we never hardly ever saw each other and the conversations were very brief. And, you know, some of that was just, Hey, we're going to have dinner together, you know, but you, you develop, you have to develop a language too. That language has to, that come with that, you know, a, a language that is based on trust, which is around competency, reliability, and certainly sincerity. I think those are, are, are key items, you know, and, and, and you start when you, when you have that level of leadership inside the company, you start to develop your own shorthands. You start to develop your own code. You start developing your own hand signals and eye movements and things like that. It's like, again, getting back to that huddle when I can. I knew you were going to do that. You go back to the football huddle, man. It's well, like it's so easy. the play is called. It takes five seconds, right? It takes five seconds. You, you call the play, but you look at the receiver like, the, don't, I'm going to get it to you. Don't you drop it, you know? And you don't need to say that, you know, you just need to look. And, and, um, or that look of confidence that the front line has that says, I got your back. You're not going to get sacked. I'm going to, I'm going to open that hole or whatever it might be. I mean, but you also have to develop certain things that you got to get used to. I mean, you can imagine people used to come to me as a CMO and they would bring idea after idea, after idea, after idea to infinity or they want to sell you all the time. And so my, so I, I developed the Moses rule when it came to PowerPoint presentations, right? In the Moses rules, you get two slides, five bullet points each, just like he, Moses, when he came off the mount, had, I mean, he was selling something even tougher than most of us got to sell. And it was no more than 10 points. It was 10 commandments, five tablets. There was two tablets of five bullet points each. No more than, no more than seven lines, seven words online. If you can't distill it down to that, then you haven't got the essence of what you need to sell. So, you know, I, you even develop those kinds of things so that people knew when they came to me for a presentation, you know, even when they would come for the presentation, I'd look at the first one, two slides, then I'd go to the last slide. What are you asking me for? And, and that's in less than 15 minutes, I should be able to figure this out. And if you can't, you know, then, then I'm going to get up and go to the next, go to another meeting. Cause I just, I, I don't have the time at that level. 
taking all this experience and, and this ex- the experience, including this week with your team, I mean, obviously we're leading all the time, right? We're trying to find better and better ways and, and getting that voice. What would you say to some of the younger people today that they ought to consider doing? What would help them uh, build their voice, build that confidence so that they can speak up? What suggestions do you have for the inexperienced? Number one, listen, listen. That, I mean, I think that's the great one of the greatest attributes of any leader is listening. To, to there's a you know I always look for the in everything I do I'm always looking for the pony, meaning there's a pony in there somewhere. There's a winner in there somewhere. So what where how do I find it? Where where do I what what do I listen for in that person or in that report or in that meeting or in that you know video whatever it might be? That's that's that pony. And so listening I think is real key. If you listen instead of talk, because we all go in with preconceived notions, almost everything, and they're almost always wrong. So, um, so, but by the time, but if you go in with a sense of awareness of what I'm not aware of, what I'm not aware of, that is a pretty cool thing. And, and that's, that's, that's done me well. And usually when I have a preconceived notion, I get surprised or I don't, you know, the second thing is you got to prepare. You, you have to prepare. And I don't think enough people prepare. Like before I have a meeting with you, I'm going through, or before I do this podcast, what are the key things he wants? What do you think are going to be his key questions? What what's his audience? What's who? What do they want to hear about? You know, do they want to hear real stuff, or or should we throw in a bunch of uh, ideas at people? Well, uh, you know, those are the things I look at. Like before going into a presentation, you know, with someone, have you looked up their background? Know what they're, you know, who they are, what they are. You know, I'm putting together a major, uh, I won't say the name of the company, but I'm working with a French uh, chairman of a company right now on a new deal that I'm working with as a board advisor. And uh, look, I found out that he, you know, he makes soap. That's what he does. All right. It's a big, huge company, huge company. But his real love is lavender. And he talks about that. I've seen videos about it and so forth. So my opening line to him as he was driving his car from uh, Monaco to uh, Cannes last night was, uh, you've inspired me about lavender, which is true because I love lavender soap and so forth. And because I used to smell it in his soap, and I said this, I want to plant lavender. Please talk to me about what's the best way to plant it and how to, how to harvest it to show me those things. And of course, that led us to an hour-long conversation. That had nothing to do with business, but everything to do with business. Absolutely. You get to know the man. So it's really interesting. I want to point something out to you because you just said the first thing is listen. The second thing is prepare. And then when you said prepare, you then shared with me five to seven questions that you ask in your head to share. And one of the things that we talk about in leadership is, is the really effective leaders are the ones that ask the best questions and then listen. So the most important skill of a leader is actually questioning and then listening and, and having enough knowledge, like you were saying, to be able to ask good questions, even in a situation where you don't have all the information, you don't, you don't know where you're going with it, but great leaders know how to ask questions. And you just demonstrated that. And I wanted to point that out that, that you, talked right through it by asking like about a dozen questions to yourself as you were talking about listening and preparing. I love that. Well, but even do the things, I mean, have you met the person before or seen the person? Well, can you get a sense of who they are without that? Yes. The personality types. So, so you, you're a different personality type than other people there, you know, let's say there's four different personality types. So what would give me, what would give me hints about that? 
like with most CEOs, most CEOs are drivers. They only care about two things, seducing you or, or, or overpowering you. I mean, that's that, you know, if you look at the real, you know, take it as like animalistic, a real, real core, what they got to do. Do you think they, they, when you come in and you start, Hey, how's your family? You think I want to answer that question? It's not, it's not in my purview. I it, look, I, I, my, they're, they're great. What now, what do you want? You know, it, and it's not that I don't have a feeling for that. Cause if you know me, you know, that my family's everything. And I, you know, you know, my grandkids, I'm a, I'm a playground for my grandchildren. I'm a, like all these kinds of things. I mean, but when it comes for business, and comes about that. No, let's talk that first. Then we'll get into the other things about those kinds of things. But if I know that you're about more about personal relationships and you take the time and and I know that's your personality, then that's my question is, I would like to talk to you about lavender, you know, uh, you know, as opposed to, you know, uh, how many, what's your fund? What, what are you doing? What are you going to do with it? How are you transferring it? What are your key you know, what are your key acquisitions that you're looking at right now? What might you look at? What have what was the most difficult one? What was the greatest, you know, um, you know, margin on that? All of those things I would uh, all 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 from personality, which I can get from pictures of their office. I can get from talking to their friends. I can get from their their personal post. I can get from a lot of different places. That's called doing your homework. Yeah, absolutely. And, and what you're talking about really is is getting out of your own head and getting into the space of the other person and focusing on them. And when we do that, the same thing with leadership, it's not about me. It's about humility and service. Those are the two most important values of, uh, of, of leadership, the most important skills of leadership or emotional intelligence and cognitive judgment. So if we put those together, then we can be, we can be great leaders. Yeah. And, and by the way, and with that, you know, a lot of that is like with the questions you know, think about it. If you're a young leader, you want to ask me questions that you could already go find the answers for. Or you want to ask me questions that you can't find the answers for. Now that's, that's impressive. If you ask me, Hey, where'd you go to school? Look it up. If you ask me, how'd you first start? Look at LinkedIn. You know, I mean, go do those things first. And I will tell you that 95% of the people I talk to don't do those things. Wow. And, and that that's that's what's sad. And so and I say it's sad because I can you can tell who the yeah, it, it does. Listen, my friends, I can tell who the superstars are on a on a video call, on a phone call, uh, standing there watching them. You can see all that stuff. It's all part of the package. And and uh, and you watch teams and you could you can smell a winning team. I, you know, du- let's take Dunkin Donut. I did a TV show on them where out of their executive team of 12 people, 11 of them were new within within two years. Yet they were soaring as the leadership team, that which is unbelievable to turn over a leadership team. And now three of those key leaders had worked together before. The others had all been brought in, but they worked at such a on, uh, I mean, I oh mean, gosh, they, they even used to get up and be in the office by 4.30 a.m. Now, do you think that's ridiculous? Not if you're in the in the donut business where you're getting ready for the morning and you bake the donuts, you make the donuts, you make the coffee and be ready for everybody by 5.36. So they mirror. It's time, it's time to make the donuts. Remember exactly. the commercial? It's time and, to make and, the donuts. But the leadership <laughs> of that company mirrored their audience that they were serving. And I thought that was like one of the coolest things I've ever seen in my life. 
And it set the tone of the environment. It set the the mood of the company and the way in which they did it, you know. And it was just, it was just fabulous to be able to watch. And I'm still close to the chairman of that company, who's just a great guy. And, and, and so it's amazing to be able to meet people and leaders like that. And you see operations that are doing that. And you it, there's a cadence. There's a, there's a way of seeing it. And by the way, when I walked into their C-suite, you could smell it. Didn't know that going in. Didn't know if they were really like that. You know, you, I go in with as a reporter, as a, an anchor of a show, my own host of my own show. You go in there with some skepticism. All right. That. But then I, you, you're wild. But you can smell it. You can see it. You can taste it you know, immediately. Our subtitle is leading of leading from the front is leadership is responsibility, not a position. So what final words would you have for developing leaders for the young people today that you could say beyond just listening and preparation? Anything else that you'd like to add to? finish off today, Jeff? Yeah, succeed. Everybody talks about failing fast, fail fast, fail fast. Some people even putting in their resume about how much they failed. Listen, I don't know about you, failing sucks. It sucks. So how about we put into our mantra that we're going to succeed fast, not fail fast. You are going to fail. Let's be clear. I've failed. Everybody asks me a lot of times, what's the biggest failure? And I say, I don't know. I haven't done it yet. Meaning I'm always going to have a bigger one, just like I'm going to have a bigger success. So my my advice to you is just do, 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 go, go, go. You will fail. You will fail. You will fail. Nobody will judge you about that. They will judge you by your success. So go be successful and do it and find success as fast as you can, because that will propel you. That will give you the energy. That will give you the motivation, the inspiration uh, and the education to go do it more. And that that's the big piece I would give you. I like it. So uh, let's change fail fast to succeed fast. I like it. I, well, I have a slide in my presentations. That's exactly what I tell people. Don't, don't talk about fail fast. Fail fast sucks. It sucks. It sucks. Nothing it does. good about failing. I don't care what the lesson is. It still sucks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, thanks, Jeff. I appreciate your insights, your thoughts, your ideas, and and some just great uh, great thoughts about leadership today. I appreciate it. Thank you for being a, uh, a guest on my show. Well, my pleasure. And thank you for being a part of C-Suite Radio. This is one of our top shows in the network. And so we appreciate it. Appreciate your leadership as well, Dr. Gary. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff. I'm Dr. Gary, making good bosses into great leaders with compassionate accountability. Thanks again for joining us on Leading from the Front, where leadership is a responsibility, not a position. Take care and be well. Thanks for being with us on Leading from the Front with Dr. Gary McGrath. Remember to subscribe to this podcast on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about the work Dr. Gary is doing, visit statarius.com, S-T-A-T-A-R-I-U-S.com. Music for Leading from the Front is provided by Peter Katz. For more of his music, visit peterkatz.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.